from the land of adventure and diversity. These are the stories of extraordinary Africans, only on Faces of Africa. From here, you know we're gonna go out. Get the sales warrants, and we're gonna do some some houses. You always know the safety of yourself, safety of your colleague, the safety of the community, and the safety of the vehicles. Now you know it's covered. We know how to act. So act in a responsible way. Oh, okay, okay, no, that's fine. Okay, copy, I will meet with you. Need to get in and do what we came for. Just prepare accordingly. Your safety is as important as our safety is. What they are doing now is taking us through the gang-infested areas. Like we would call it the hotspot of the gangs. You can get out. The premises that we've searched is the premises of a well-known drug dealer in the area. There's no doubt about it, he's been appearing in the Magistrate's Court here, Bishop Levis, on numerous occasions for drugs. Say, Why are you here at the back then, if you didn't run? Okay. So, our purpose there was basically to see whether we can find drugs or, on the other hand, guns because gangs in this area don't move without guns. Clearly, we didn't get anything. It was unsuccessful. But success will come in due time. We are about to enter what we call Kreefgat. Uh, it is actually known as Golden Gate. It's a very dangerous area that we're approaching and the area is controlled by the notorious, terrible Joster gang. You can expect to see many uh, cars that was maybe stolen because what we, what we would normally say to people is that this is basically also an area of, of, of smaller chop shops. And you, you will find that, that there will be a lot of cars that that, that um, either stolen or are being broken up for parts.
we confiscated now heroin as well as a few grams of dacha. What gave us the indication that something is happening inside, knowing that it is a drug house, we, we found a scale. You know, one of these miniature scales, that scale is normally used to weigh the tick as well as the dacha before it gets sold to, to, to whoever in the area. During the search, we also found uh, diving equipment, diving suits, uh, the tanks itself. It's an indication that they are either busy with crayfish, lobster, or then pearly, as, as you would call it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that was a success for us now. And the person that um, we arrested is not a newcomer. He's one of our uh, normal clients in the area. And he now confirmed that he is a member of the Terrible Justice Gang. If we don't do our job well, the criminals would do their job actually better. We need to take control because if we don't need, if we don't take control, they will take control. While COVID-19 made crime a big issue for carers working in the community, the Bishop Levis area has experienced crime and drug activities for decades. Many people attribute this to the brutality and forced removals that took place during apartheid times. The unjust and inhumane forced removals that took place during apartheid will always bring painful memories to those who reside in District 6. So my father grew up in Hanover Street in District 6. He was 16 years old when under the Group Areas Act, um, his family was asked to leave or forcibly removed from this area and they were then placed in the islands where we're currently staying. Okay. Um, I remember him saying that he was very happy here. So it was a very friendly atmosphere. He loved the community. Um, he used to walk the streets freely. Um, he went to school in the area. Um, everything was affordable. He had lots of friends and it was a very tight, close community. The mosque was close by. So it was a very happy time for his family. He also came from India um, when he was about 13 years old. So. When he moved here, he was very happy that he found a community that he loved and he was very happy. Three or four years after that, he was then removed from this community. I was in my early 30s, okay? Now, I'll never forget this day. On our way to work that morning of February 11, 1966, we didn't know this was going to happen. When we came here, we saw the headlines in our daily newspapers. Districts is declared for white people only. This came unexpectedly. People were sad, people were angry, you know. What the devil is going on now? Because people were worried. What's going to happen to us? Where are we going to? We're going to be maybe separated from our friends, family, and even our neighbors. 
I'll tell you why, you know why they did this to us and people don't know this. But District 6 was a very cosmopolitan area. So we had a lot of Jews, we had other whites. The majority were Christians and Muslims. Then we also had Africans, Indians, Hindus, Portuguese, Chinese, Japanese, you name it. One big happy family and that was a problem. You see, the apartheid government, that's of course the National Party government, they didn't like that. So they declared the area in white in 1966. And then in 1970, they started demolishing all our homes. Between 65 and 70,000 people were removed from this area. It took them almost 11 years to do that, gradually, street by street. And many people died of broken hearts. During apartheid, as you know, we were called colored people. That is the word they used. But in districts, we never use that word. We say, people live there. Why must you say someone is white or someone is black? And sadly, the man who did this to us, the head of state at the time, I don't know if you can remember, he was a Dutchman. He wasn't even South African. And he became head of state in South Africa. And what he did was, he went to Germany. We all know what Hitler did to the Jewish people. He studied it. My father. He came from District 6, late 1870s. That's what they told me uh, to move from there to Mossel Bay. And from Mossel Bay, we moved to Cape Town. And my mother, she is the baby of 17 children. So she came from Marmory. We stayed in Lavers first, Bishop Lavers, then Alsis. We moved around quite a lot. My name is Andre Yeso. I'm from Bonteville. From the age of 12, I was also gangster in Bonteville. I was expelled from every school because of my violent behavior. My mother, my parents, they don't teach you to be a gangster. My father left us when I was six, he left us. So I had to go work at the age of six years old in Peru by the white people who wash cars and do their gardens. I had to go work and so I learned but I grew up with hatred. Hatred because I was angry at the government and the white government. I was angry at the blacks. I hated the white and I hated the blacks. That's how I grew up. I grew up with that mentality that they tell you now the white man is not right, the black man is not right, so kill them. But I never rob a colored. I only rob whites. And when I get a black, even born people walking fast, I would stab you with a knife or throw you with bricks. Because that was, I was indoctrinated like that. Kill you. called me a gentleman gangster because I was always gentle. <laughs> I was always helping the old people because I know for a fact that if, if I run, if I had to hide, there always will be a door open for me because of my behavior with the old people here in this place. 1996, I went into house robberies and, and house breakings and the stuff. Went in there. So they caught up with me in 
that um, during the apartheid era was it was one of the areas on the Cape Flats where people were moved to. So I definitely think that um, some of the circumstances that the people are enduring now is because of what had happened in the past, because they didn't have the opportunities um, back then to do the things that they wanted to do. And it's very hard now to kind of, you know, correct something with such a, a rich historical background and, and, and so many things to kind of fix. So Bishop Levis is a, it's a community where there's a very poor, you know, social network, it's a low socioeconomic um, background and people are struggling. So that's where the clinic, the community health um, center actually comes into play, try and support the community and look at how can we keep the community healthy. Due to the deeply rooted injustices leaving many hungry and stuck in a system that alienates them, Bishop Levis Clinic and the community health workers are an important beacon of hope for this community, an institution that not only offers quality service but also reminds the community that somebody cares. Beyond giving medical care to residents, the health workers have also provided for basic needs during the COVID pandemic, like providing food to families that would otherwise go hungry for days. We started with our fundraising and we were able to get together finances to have food parcels, about 20. So we have two, um, we have an office in Wallerstein as well. So we did um, for both areas to have food parcels there. COVID-19 actually forced us to work together, to form one common goal, to have a partnership to, and, and it went beyond just the normal, what does your instruction say? Can we do that or not? Uh, sometimes, you know, it's not about that. It's about humanity. Uh, how can we assist each other to be able to get to the point to where when I go home or you go home, that we feel, look, we have done our best that we could. We did the extra mile. <laughs> this is my peace. <laughs> the streets of Bountiful is my peace. In every, every colored community, you will see there's noise everywhere. Someone is banging there. <laughs> and the taxis are rising here at Long Mowbray Calf. And what you have, and everybody in the streets is walking up and down, shouting, and what, 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 what. Yeah, it's like that here. This generation of now growing up now, it's very tough because everybody's going through a certain thing that they're going through in our communities, uh, colored communities. Everybody's going now through a thing that they say they don't care, they don't worry anymore about nothing, about no one. So uh, uh, it's very tough to grow up on the streets. The danger is very much alive for strangers to walk in here. They don't know your face. They will approach you. They will ask you questions and what you have and, and, and just try you if you've got something. Some of them rob you, some of them stab you, some of them kill you. So that's how it is here.
Alright, so we will learn the meaning. Two thousand three September the nineteenth. <laughs> I never came home till two thousand and fifteen. I came home. <laughs> I was thirteen years inside, but I had this thing in prison already. That I want to start when I come out. I want to start to take this young children from the street and just tongue as them, just train them, just just give them something. Because when I came out, I see, right. oh, there's plenty of young children, are gangs. They are all gangsters and they are all negative. Their mindset is just killing mode and hurting mode. That's what's their mindset. So I went to the school and I, and I would talk to the principals and ask them, listen here, is there any naughty, naughty children? Then they would bring the naughty children to me and I would talk to them. And I, the bullies on the school, and I will talk to the bullies, and believe me, they didn't bully, because I was telling my story to them. So I said, let's take your gun. I take your gun. Your gun kills people, and it kills you at the end of the day. So I, my mission is, take your gun, and give you my gun. My gun shows you something that you can see, that you can be proud of in the end of the day. That's my gun. My gun gives you life. You can see the life. You can see what you build. deep copy, deep copy. My name is Darren Marcus. This thing I'm holding here was a prize. I used to rent this thing, scare people around. But now today I'm using it to earn money. The car saw me. I was running with people, kicking people, unnecessary. But one day she on the Sunday come with the church and I went with him and prayed for me. He told the day I'm here sitting by him, by his side, helping him with couches. This future generation. It's going down. The scariest thing is that no one cares. No one cares. I said no one cares about anything or anyone. No one cares. So, so, so that's the scariest thing for me. This is a part of the building that I want to rebuild. It's got the structure, only the roofs that I want to rebuild for a skill center so that I can help Bontyville children develop a skill. Because here it's carpentry, it's upholstery, it's computer, it's IT, it's engineering. I want it all. But without help from the government, from anyone, I can't do it. Because it's just going to be another building where uh, gangs come and have their feast and, and have everything. That's how it is now at the moment. It's empty, you can see here. You can go through here, then you can see. All these classes, throwing trees on. That's my new step there. All these classes goes to waste. It's growing trees in. Trees in the classes. Yeah. And there's many classes and plenty of classes. And gangs use it for their activities. Yeah. 
They use it for all nonsense here. They make it the den for their activities. So I want to rebuild it into a skill center for guys like this, for all of them, to give them a skill so that they don't die on the streets of Bonteville. In the 90s, our classes was here. So now it's empty. The government stopped the, the woodworking. They stopped the science project. They stopped everything. And they vandalized this thing to get the roofs off, just leaving the, I don't know. So if you want to rebuild these children's lives, give them something. From the land of adventure and diversity come tales of survival, success and ingenuity. These are the stories of extraordinary Africans, only on Faces of Africa. start of the pandemic I was obviously very fearful that I'm going to get COVID and I was worried that I'm going to bring it home um, but I always like try to um, maintain you know the COVID protocols even at home and even now we still maintain the physical distance and we don't hug or anything like that um, just to still be cautious. Thankfully, we haven't had COVID in the entire time, both of us. And I think it is because we, um, you know, try and stick by the protocols. I was very scared and nervous because she is working in the clinic and coming home where she will pass on the COVID to me. I was very scared and nervous. Don't know anything can happen. But after, as time passed by, we taking all the precautions and stuff, I felt a bit e at ease. I think there's been multiple moments where I felt really helpless um, and hopeless and really overworked. Um, and you feel like nothing is going to change and is this how our life is going to be? And I think it's in those moments when you really need the support of people that you care about. So for me, when the vaccine rollout started, um, I think for healthcare workers, that was really a very happy moment for me because I thought that this is now at least some hope in getting back to a normal life again. I think most of you are going to be delivering here, right? Eh? Mm -hmm. so, no. But some in out is there, right? And some by high. And some by <laughs> But they'll make use of the service for the ultrasound. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. Even though we still have a long road ahead, at least it's one step forward in the right direction. Um, and I think for now, I just want people to, to get vaccinated and to um, see the benefits of it um, so that we can all go back to our normal lives. Coming through this pandemic of coronavirus, that we as human beings treasure one another, pretty sure that the pandemic coronavirus taught us a valuable lesson. No matter your status, no matter how financially secured you are, you must love your neighbor. I put my hats off for all the medical health workers. The way they sacrifice their time and effort to see to all the patients and all that. And to save the people's lives, especially in this this period of COVID-19.
Despite the many challenges that Bishop Lavis has faced over the decades, it is thanks to the efforts of those like Dr. Abbas and her team that a spirit of care and a desire to keep hope alive still continues to linger here in this community. From medical to security personnel, they've all stood up to be counted time and again, despite the many unknowns of this deadly and terrifying pandemic. I was very much like planning for the future, like what, you know, I need to do this for the future. But now I've tried to stop focusing so much on that because there might not even be a future, um, but to rather make the most of, of every day. Um, and to also let people in your life know, you know, um, how important they are or what they mean to you because tomorrow might not be there to actually say that. So every day is a gift. <laughs> In September 2021, after the third wave of COVID-19 had peaked, staff at Bishop Lavis Clinic celebrated 18 months of their fight against the virus. Their celebration, Jerusalem, South Africa's hit song that illuminated the world during the pandemic. And although the pandemic is still far from over, these are the heroes of our time, their courage and spirit of hope echoing in the rhythms and dance. <laughs> 